You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right, Dr. Tom. I think it's time that we introduce the world to the first podcast. That's going to bring gold-blooded energy to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I, Daniel Hardy, present to you Dr. Tom. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing quite good. How are you doing, oh, gold-blooded king? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm, I'm doing pretty swell. Um, obviously, knocking off the Clippers first round took a little longer than I expected, but anytime you advance out of the first round, especially being a Warriors fan, I mean, there, there were so many years we couldn't even get into the playoffs. You know what I mean? So, yeah, just just being in the first round would be a feel like a championship. Yeah. So, like you have to you have to appreciate the where you've been and where you are absolutely. now. Absolutely, and where we are right now, second round, quick turnaround, heading back to uh, the friendly confines of Oracle. Now, quick question: Did you expect it to be that hard to knock the Clippers out? Um, no. No, but as it happened, I I became less surprised uh, because you s- just saw the way that team that they're they're so tenacious and scrappy. And I hate to give Doc Rivers credit, but he coached them up well, and they just had players who bothered the Warriors in certain ways that made it difficult. So as it went along, you started to say, "Oh no, I could see this was going to be one of those." Uh, first round series that would go longer than you think, even though there's clearly a sort of a talent uh, disadvantage or differential between the Clippers and the Warriors. So, you know, I think the game two loss was the one where it's like, okay, this, yeah, this might go a little longer than I expected. One loss, yeah, you know, you kind of, that'll happen. But two, I was like, oh, right. That's interesting. I guess I figured, um, we had a 31-point lead game two, but Boogie Cousins goes down, and you're kind of thinking, well, this should be an easy win, but the emotional loss of you uh, losing to a big guy was uh, pretty sucky. You know what? Honestly, I'm getting a little upset. I'm getting, I'm getting a little angry, Tom. And this is why I'm getting angry, Dr. Tom. This is why. Because... Oh, lay, it on, lay it on me. I'm, I'm trying to be all politically correct and all that stuff and talk about the Clippers. Look, 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 look. I don't even care about the Clippers. They were going to lose regardless. Let's talk about the Houston Rockets. Let's get serious for a second because they've been yapping, yap, yap, yap oh. for a very long time. And now they finally get what they want. Now, now, I'm sure you're familiar with the Houston Rockets. We've been playing them for a long time. If you recall, back in 2015, uh, Harden said that he was the real MVP and not Steph Curry. Hmm, that's weird. And uh, when they had a chance to meet in the playoffs, they were dispatched in five games with Harden having the NBA playoff record 13 turnovers in the final game. Now, 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 Dr. Tom, in 2016, can you tell me what happened then? 
Uh, the Rockets, we dispatched them again in five games, though. This time, this was in the uh, first round. Uh, Curry suffered uh, ankle injuries in game one and a uh, MCL sprain, and I believe that was game four, uh, and only played in two games in that series. And it's pretty you know, shocking, given what you hear uh, from some of the delightful people uh, in the city of Houston, t- uh, fans of the Rockets, that a team could win without their star point guard. I what? thought that you know, I, I know right like it's 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 hard to believe but somehow the warriors did it and i didn't hear a lot of complaining i think it was just okay let's just take care of uh take care of business now mm-hmm. it'd be nice if some other fans and other teams uh held themselves up to that standard but i you know that far be it for me to tell other people what to do okay so what you're saying is not only did the Warriors eliminate James Harden's Rockets two straight years, they were able to do it in the second year without the services of their star future Hall of Fame point guard. That's crazy. It's amazing how it happens. The, the uh, future Hall of Fame star point guard who just won the first unanimous MVP and had the greatest season in the history of basketball seasons, <laughs> perhaps. And they still found a way to win. Right. I mean, I like I said, I thought that if your point guard went out, that meant that, you know, you, you just you had to lose. At least that's what the equation is. Um, uh, we hear about a little further down the road. Right, right. Well, I guess that's two years. That's 2015, 2016. And then in 2017, there was that epic collapse where James Harden <laughs> playing a Kawhi-less San Antonio Spurs team at home in game six has his worst playoff performance ever. I mean, now... I do wonder when Stephen A. Smith gets on first take and says, was James Harden drugs? At that point, did people start wondering, (laughs) hey, maybe James Harden just isn't built for the playoffs. Like at a certain point, you got to take the evidence you see and say, hey, this guy keeps failing in the worst possible ways in the playoffs year after year after year. In fact, we were supposed to play them, but because they couldn't get the job done, we ended up, you know, scraping away the uh, Kawhi injuries first. And in that closeout game that you, you which you reminded me of, uh, the Spurs were without Kawhi Leonard, and it was in Houston, and they still lost. I'd like, yeah, that was going to set up that this third year in a row, and the Rockets. Uh, that was the first year with Dan Tony, right. and they 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 looked good in the regular season. This might start to become a theme here, uh, but it, uh, <laughs> whether it was the the mileage that. Mike D'Antoni put on James Harden, whether it's James Harden's game and how it fits into uh, the playoff basketball. Uh, yeah, he just it 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 was it, it when somebody is wondering if you're on drugs or not, and that's <laughs> like why you're play, like you, there's something's that's big, that's very big. Right, right. Um, do you remember what happened last year? Uh, I, I mean. Y- vaguely just a little bit i mean thinking back on 2017 and that kind of collapse i can understand why a team would be so uh so desperate to turn to chris paul uh the perennial can't get to the conference finals player uh cp3 I, I never set foot in them until last year so you know Good, good, good for him. I'm glad he finally got over that hump. Dr. Tom, you, you are you are a very, very mean man, Dr. Tom. You're uh, a mean man. That's that's uh, <laughs> uh, we have we have a we have a few mean men uh over at Golden State of Mind. At least that's what I've been told. <laughs> uh but they you know 
we got to be met in the conference finals and uh yes chris paul and those uh hamstrings that racked up more miles than a 1978 buick I don't know what, uh, finally, <laughs> finally gave out. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's what, uh, your generic, your everyday Houston fan will point to in terms of, Oh, this is why the, the Warriors run this won the series. Well, I mean, first of all, we, the Warriors were also without, uh, Andre Iguodala for, uh, the last part of that series, including a couple of wins for the Rockets. And, hmm. uh, there, there was a very, uh, you know, I, I, uh, have my issues at times with the, the, the fancy schmancy statistics when it comes to basketball, but right. uh, per uh, second spectrum, uh, Andre Godala, who missed uh, after game three of that series, uh, held uh, Paul and Harden to a combined one for 41 shooting during. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that Andre Godala held two future Hall of Famers to one for 41 shooting in the playoffs? I believe that that. That's what it says. I'm not here to make things up. So if that guy who's literally holding them combined to one for 41 goes down with an injury, I guess that maybe could shape the outcome of that series. I mean, it, it, in theory, I mean, if you, you know, watch basketball or care about such things as defense, which I know Mike <laughs> D'Antoni doesn't, you have to be, on, you know, that's the sacrifice you have to make, but. <laughs> to people who watched it closely, you knew, yes, this the absence of Iguodala was in terms of how the Warriors want to play, what made them play their best against this team. He's a part of it. And so he's, you know, and that he's not there. So that's a, a was a big loss. And yet the Warriors still found a way to win the series. Still and go, found a way to win. Still got the job done. And yeah. And if you're if this is the, the other thing in that series I keep coming back to is that if you're they were up by how much in game six and seven, I don't care if you're down one very important player, maybe the most important player. If you're up that big and you let the end, you know, especially in that game six, when the Warriors ended up winning by a I can't remember, but a ton. That's that's. That's not just the absence of one player. That is other things going on. And right. so trying to reduce it to just, oh, we didn't have Chris Paul, like that that does not tell the whole story. And that's being uh, very reductive. I, you know, I'm just glad to hear someone just bring some facts to the, the situation because we all have our emotions. It's okay. You have how you feel. I have how I feel. That's okay. But sometimes you got to bring out some facts and just say, hey, <laughs> maybe the Houston Rockets have a history of not getting the job done, especially when it comes to the Golden State Warriors. And that's okay. I mean, you're in the time of a dynasty. If you look at the New York Knicks from the early 90s, I'm sure their fans were like, oh, my God, if only, you know, Michael Jordan didn't exist, we'd have like, like 10 championships. But Michael Jordan did exist. So just take your L's and keep it moving. I, I hate to say it, they're one of my favorite non-Warriors teams, but the early 2000s San Antonio Spurs, you know, they could probably say, well, we'd have even more titles if it wasn't for Shaq and Kobe and those Laker teams. Right. Well, they were there and they just, you know, the regular season, the playoffs, they just pretty consistently had their number. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it's just how it is. It's just how it is, you know, um, which brings us to this year, which – um, you know, the, the Warriors actually signed somebody in the offseason named DeMarcus Cousins. Um, oh, I, it, 
I've, I've heard of him. I don't know if he's any good. Um, you know, I see some people commenting on uh, how he fits in this team and try to spin it in a negative way. But right. uh, t- tell me a little more about this, this DeMarcus Cousins. Well, um, he's a giant. Um, and he was, <laughs> you know, before his, his Achilles injury, he was kind of known as the best center in basketball, especially on the offensive end. And um, the last time he played the Houston Rockets um, early this season, he had his best game of the year when he scored 27 points and flirted with a triple-double with eight rebounds and seven assists. Now, well, triple-double, that's the most important thing in basketball. I know, he got it. Darn it. <laughs> so I just feel like, you know, although obviously the Rockets would target him in the pick and roll, et cetera, et cetera. The last time he was on the court, he was just busting their ass. So I'm assuming a guy who can clearly get 27, 8, and 7 – being out, I think we already have our built-in excuse for if we don't win this series. Because according to the Rockets fans, if you're play, if one of your star players is hurt, therefore you can't possibly be held liable for losing the series. So I think we should just pencil ourselves in for the 2019 imaginary NBA championship because one of our players got hurt. I, I mean, I think that only works for every other team, just not the Warriors. The Warriors, it's you know you have to you got you. Injury is no excuse. There can't be anything. It's just a character indictment on the team and the players and the coach and everything. No injuries. Everyone else, they can say, "Well, we didn't have this player or that player." But the Warriors, we can, we can never, we can never do that. At least in the eyes of some. Right, and I think that's the burden of a dynasty. You know, you can't settle yeah. for the the excuses that everyone else comes up with because you actually get the championships. You know, so I get it. Yeah. It's all good. We either have excuses or championships. I rather have championships. It's all good. Um, um, but I will say that I am a little concerned with, uh, you know, Steph and Clay both suffering some, um, some I guess, relatively uh, serious uh, uh, ankle injuries in the last game against the Clippers. Although they're uh, slated to play in game one, there's still some uh, question. Mm-hmm. In fact, they are questionable for those games. So I do wonder um, if Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are at all limited. Um, do we have anybody else on the team who can go for 50? I, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's this he he, but he he, do, he doesn't want to shoot. He, this 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 what's his oh Kevin Kevin, Kevin. something. Uh, he, he does he doesn't oh, want to shoot. Kevin He's only passing. Yeah yeah oh he could go for fifty. Oh wait no that's stop the Rockets from scoring. I don't know what because he's a great pick and roll right. defender. Um, but uh, there there is this one guy they signed him a couple years ago, Kevin. Kevin Durant, he's, I mean, again, depends on who you ask. Some people will say he's, you know, one of the best players in the game. Other people's will, people will say, well, he's just a ball hog. And anytime the Warriors don't play well, it's because they're catering to him and he's, he can never win a championship. You know, uh, it's because of him. It's always because of everybody else. But I think even, you know, with, uh, even if Steph and Clay are, limited or hobbled in some way though uh it seems like of the two clay it's the more serious but after watching game one of the 2018 finals when jr smith tried to tear out uh his leg and he still played i um i I, i'm 
I, it, I will be surprised if Clay doesn't play. But with all that said, it's nice to know that, oh, there's this seven-footer who has handles like a guard and is in an incredible rhythm right now who can go out and get those get those points right. and hang a 50 on a on a on on a, I mean on a tenacious Clippers defensive team that played very with a great tenacity and so imagine what he could do against you know I don't know what the nice way to describe the Rockets defense is, oh come but, on come on uh, wait a sl- minute the, 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 the Rockets led by the tuck wagon you know uh, yeah, the, I mean, but the, where's the Trevor Ariza was the key that he was the best Durant defender. That was the player they could put on Durant and they did it in 2018 and he could have a an effect on his game. They let him walk. Uh, yes, the tuck wagon, PJ Tucker is he's brought he's I mean, my biases, as I think most people know that I'm a University of Texas alum, Hook so I Hook love uh, yeah, hook him, hook him horns. Um, so I've got a lot of respect for Tucker, uh, PJ Tucker, but also he's probably he's one of my favorite non-warrior players. He's definitely the player on the Rockets that I have the most respect for, and kind of say, okay, that's a guy that that can really play, but he can only, you know, he can only do so much, and it's not like Durant is the only player, and there are definitely things Durant can do that. P- uh, a PJ can't handle. So even though I do think, you know, I, I, I jokingly took, I'm going to take some shots at the Rockets defense, but I think that, that this is where not having Trevor Ariza, I just look at the, the rest of the Rockets and I say, who is that going to be that wing defender on KD? And I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I really don't see it. I mean, neither do I, um, obviously, but I will <laughs> say this. I do feel like the Rockets have a, unique way of forcing the Warriors to play outside of that motion offense Steve Kerr loves so much. The Rockets have a great way of making you isolate. I mean, they switch everything and, you know, they will kind of lull you into that one-on-one ball, which I think has cost um, the Warriors a couple of times playing them because um, they want to go back at them. Like When you see James Harden pounding the air out of the ball, you know, traveling, flopping, <laughs> you kind of want to just get him back. You know what I mean? Like playground style. But that's not the best yeah. way that the Warriors play basketball. Yeah. So I wonder if, um, in addition to some of the uh, just uh, physical matchups there, um, that the Rockets can throw with, you know, yeah, Capella, big fella, prick the rim, uh, Tucker, versatile. And James Harden's defense is not just complete trash anymore. He will actually give some effort. So got to give him credit for that. But at the same time, I do wonder if this game is going to boil down, or this series is going to boil down to the Warriors keeping their focus in light of that high-speed chicanery um, or uh, tomfoolery, the, the style <laughs> the Rockets play, where, you know, they're going to get the refs involved because they're going to be flopping all over the place, and they're going to be shooting hella threes. So it's kind of like it's, – it's like a funky basketball style. Like, no one else really plays like the Rockets. Yeah. And I, so two things. One, so if, if Harden's defense is a complete trash, is it like the little trash can you keep in the bathroom where you throw like, you know, Kleenex <laughs> and stuff like that? I actually just bought one of those. So I, I, I'm very familiar with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, but, but also I think you're bright. And I think that uh, about the, what the Rockets, 
their defense, one of their defensive elements is to force the Warriors into that, especially with uh, Durant, into that isolation heavy uh, style where it's KD in the post and then you sort of they'll throw the double team at him. You saw this a lot in some in like games four and five of last year's Western Conference Finals. The thing that and one of the things that I think might be a little different and you saw this down the stretch of this season is during when that stretch towards the end of the regular season where Durant wasn't shooting as much, but was uh, to, you know, as Marcus Thompson called him, right. he was point KD uh, where he was racking up the assist numbers. He was getting better about when he had the ball, like in the kind of in the post and he was isolated and that double team came, he was doing a lot better and seeing, oh, there's the open man and he would get it to him. And that's something, that's the way the Rockets defend him. And that's the one thing he can do to counter it. And he showed us all that he's got that move and he can do that. And so that that's the thing that makes me think, okay, this thing they did last season that had some effect and and helped keep them in that series uh Durant might have kind of added that tool to effectively counter it right I can dig that now um look I don't know how many minutes we've been talking but it seems like at least half of it Kevin Durant has been the focal point and clearly he's been the focal point of probably the entire NBA this season I mean every time you turn on you know one of those talk shows or you go on Twitter or something like that Someone has something to say about KD, which is fascinating because oftentimes KD isn't a really talkative guy with the media as far as like, you know, uh, pushing his brand, things of that nature. He's kind of like, you know, a chill guy who loves to hoop. You know, as his Twitter says, I mean, I, I, I do me, you know what I mean? Um, so my question is. And, and what, I chill. <laughs> I chill. I chill. What do you think it is about um, Kevin Durant that's causing such a global media firestorm around him? I mean, we know. We know, uh, I say you should know <laughs> firsthand uh, about the, the, the Twitter wars that are going on over this man right now. For a, a pretty quiet guy, what do you think that noise is about and what do you feel is going on with, with that dynamic? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I I mean, there are a lot of things in play. He's obviously will, you know, he's a great player in the NBA and his, you know, he will be on the open market this year. So you, that that's, that's interesting. And that could potentially have a, you know, if he changes teams, have an enormous effect on the league Um, and, you know, who's, what teams are good, what teams aren't good. I think that, you know, you brought up his kind of quiet, more reserved, more what have you nature. And I think that allows people uh, whether, you know, in the media or just sort of observers, people who, you know, voices uh, who talk about or follow the team uh, to project and to really um, kind of interpret in a way that isn't, that is just based on sort of very outside perception, you know, uh, and, and reading 
too much into things, reading, you know, the, the smallest things as being, you know, it's like they're, and I have a great deal of, you know, this is kind of what I do, but it's like they're reading a, um, a novel and like saying, oh, when this character does this, this is the author kind of commenting on right. blank. And they're kind of, that's like what they're kind of doing with Durant. And, and as I've learned and know, you can't apply those things to uh, real life because it's not it's not a narrative in that way. And people are people and there are different things going on. And so uh, I think that's that's a lot of it, too. And it's, you know, and, and, and a lot of it is whether it's clicks or subscribes or views or likes or what have you. I think that's part of it, too is it's just to people wanting to comment for the sake of commenting and because uh, people, you know, because unfortunately it's like a human trait that we all love gossip and we all love the whispers and we all love conjecture and backroom intrigue and all this kind of stuff. And so as people can tap into that and engage with that uh, and turn you know the this the an NBA player and a story of a season into something out of I don't know some melodrama. Um, they're they're gonna do that because maybe it's more interesting. Maybe it's fulfilling that kind of desire that's in kind of latent in in all of us or most of us. Uh, I don't know. I think there it's it's a lot of things, but I think that it's it's a lot of it is that. Because KD is quiet, is a little mercurial, um, that he, in I don't want to say invites it because that's not fair, but it leads to that. And then it's like a snowball and it just picks up and gets bigger and bigger and more right, and more right. and more. I mean, me personally, being a guy um, who watches Game of Thrones, I can definitely understand you know the concept of you know, pulling the most drama out of what you're watching, you know, that's as, as human beings, what we like. Um, but also as a Warriors fan um, and someone who remembers going to games, you know, for the, it was like the, the family four pack, you know, like you know, <laughs> hundred bucks. Chris Mullen, Chris yeah. Mullen buzz cut night. That's the one I always like, remember. I, I remember just praying for one day that we could have a team that could fight for an eighth seed. And now that we've kind of, you know, taken over the league. Um, the only speculation I have about Kevin Durant is, how many points he's going to drop on someone's head because, you know, nothing's promised to us. And as Warriors fans, we should be the most grateful and the most appreciative of a guy who came from somewhere else just to be a part of what we're doing and has taken over as a, a uh, part of a, the, the leading uh, force for us. Um, so this guy right here, I, I can't speak for him as to what he's going to do. And I, I wouldn't do so because he's, he's a grown man, you know, he's got things on his mind, he's got a family, you know, yeah. you know, whatever. So, but what, what I do care about is the fact that, um, Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest player of all time, won six rings, you know? Um, Kobe Bryant won five rings. <laughs> Tim Duncan, five rings. Shaq, four rings. And these are, like, the most dominant forces we've seen. I mean, look at um, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Super, super amazing player. Two rings. So I'm looking at the legacy, and as a Warriors fan, I just want us to get as many championships as possible because I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. And so I would rather spend more time speculating, like, can we get these jabronis out of here as fast as possible and get this three-peat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's yeah. the most important thing to me. Yeah, it's it's funny. There's a quote. It's attributed to um, 
the screenwriter William Goldman, who is famously a Knicks fan, which is the great irony of all this. But there's a quote he said that's like, it's nobody knows anything. Right. And I think there's that. And just thinking about what you said, where you said, you know, nothing is guaranteed. Um, you know, all I care about is what's he going to do on the court? Can we get a three-peat? You know, that sort of stuff. I think that that's what I kind of come back to t- as well. And it's that we don't know. And people are saying, well, it, it's, it, it's already this, or it looks like this, but no, n- nobody knows and no one will know. And so this, you know, this is going to cause a lot of people and uh, to, to miss out on great basketball. That game Ke- uh, Kevin Durant played against the Clippers to close out that opening round series was amazing. And instead of spending unnecessary there i there's a time and a place for a discussion of what's going to happen uh you know i i i get it to some degree but it's to the point where yeah we're not going to talk about how great he's playing or that he's had a great i mean he had a great season he uh totally added this new element to his game in terms of being a distributor being point kd and yet it's all lost in the shuffle and it like who can for all this stuff that's 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 nothing that's that's tea leaves that's you know it's it's ether it's vapor and so it's focus on what you have in front of you and just as someone as people who watch basketball enjoy basketball care about the warriors root for the warriors focus on what's in front of you and i see a great player who's played great when when his team has needed it case in point game six against the clippers Let's appreciate that. And the summer will be the summer. He could stay. He could go, you know, and things can happen. But until then, focus on what's in front of you. Absolutely. And especially with right now being what's in front of us, um, a team that many, most people would say is the biggest threat in the Western Conference, if not the entire league. And, of course, we spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast completely trashing them just because, you know, <laughs> it's fun to do. But at the same time, I do respect the level of uh, force the Rockets can bring. Like, they're not going to roll over. Like, they're going to come. They're, yeah. they're, they're hungry. And because they're hungry, yeah. I want Kevin Durant to serve them up something they can really take home back to Houston, something really delicious, like this boot down their throats. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and get it on. Now, uh, moving on uh, to the rest of the second round, we've got a couple interesting matchups kicking off, especially in the East. Now, um, Sixers, Raptors, Bucks, Celtics. Uh, those are the four teams that pretty much everyone thought was going to be here, and they are here. And depending on who you talk to, either one of those teams is a possible dethroner of the Warriors. Now, uh, looking at the Philly Raptors matchup real quick, who you got winning that and how many games? I'm leaning towards the Raptors in, we'll say, six. How about that? I think they're they're probably the team. The Raptors are probably the team that I, I mean, I'd tied with Houston just because, you know, Houston, there's this history and we just know they're so sort of focused on the Warriors. But outside of the Rockets, the Raptors are the team where I look at them and I think, OK, that they that that's a that's a real challenge. That is a tough, tough team that can make that will make the Warriors work and make things very difficult for them. And so I think they're very good. And so I think that especially with Embiid, his knee, we don't know 
how healthy it is, how healthy he'll be. Um, I lean towards the Raptors and I'll, I always, it's funny. I always will end up defaulting to six games, but I think six games. I can dig that. You know, it's funny. I, I feel like with Warriors fans, there's a certain level of respect we have for a lot of these contenders that we just don't have for the Rockets. That doesn't have much to do with the way they play as far as like their, their ability, but rather the fact that they're led by Harden and Chris Paul, two of the most floppingest <laughs> dudes in the history of the game. And I think that kind of colors how we feel like, there's no way we're going to lose to a bunch of, you know, scam artists. Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Ponzi scheme of basketball. It's a Ponzi scheme. Uh, but going back to Sixers versus Raptors, I would love for Philly to shock the world, go in there in Toronto and, you know, um, lay the smack down. But I, there's something about that Simmons guy that just kind of leads <laughs> me to believe that in 2019, if you're a point guard, you can't, or won't even shoot from outside six feet, your team's probably going to be in trouble, especially when you have a giant down low. You know what I mean? Like It's not, it's not like yeah. Embiid is like, you know, Brooke Lopez, Splash Mountain, hanging out in the three-point line. Like Embiid's down there like, yo, feed me the rock. And it, Simmons is like, well, I'm crashing down in the paint at 1,000 miles per hour. I hope you can catch this like this pocket pass in traffic and finish. It's like, I don't think you can win a championship like that in 2019. You know what I mean? When Kyle, when Kyle Lowry and the the former Raptor uh, DeMar DeRozan are looking at you and saying, yo, yo, you can move back a little bit and shoot it a little further back, you know, <laughs> okay. You might not have a place in the, in the current NBA. Right. Exactly. Uh, going on to uh, Bucks versus Celtics. Um, I'm just going to go out and say that if the Bucks don't beat the Celtics in five games or less, I'm not going to be as afraid of them. Like, if it's a close series, if it's a close series and like Giannis gets really like, you know, tested, I'm going to be like, maybe the Bucks aren't that good. Because although on uh, paper, Boston, you know, is a, is a machine, we've seen a lot of chemistry issues. And that was probably the worst four game sweep against the Pacers I've ever seen in my life. Like this team has tremendous holes. And why can't they score? They have all these quote unquote scores, but can't score. If Milwaukee can't just, you know, give them the business, uh, I'm going to question Milwaukee's uh, ability to stop us. Yeah, I it's uh, I I want to somehow some way pick the Celtics just to be a I don't know a contrarian because I again another player I do really like um, is uh, Giannis uh, he's amazing and I, I also will give a, a shout out to I've got a good friend of mine who uh, a poet named Kave Akbar who uh, is a, a big Bucks fan so I'm always kind of like oh, I'd like to see them do well because he's a really nice Did guy. You just and name drop on the podcast? Okay, Tom, I see you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, oh, you know. Know, like uh, I'm, I'm well connected to you know Mil- the big time Milwaukee Bucks uh, <laughs> fandom, but uh, so like I say, I'm torn. But I, I'm I'm of the mind you are that I think that the Bucks should probably take care, as much as you know Kyrie is a great player uh, and uh, it's, it's I mean we're all a little traumatized by him and I think that goes into how a lot of Warriors fans regard uh, Kyrie, but. Um, I think that I just, you know, Gordon Hayward, what's he, is he giving you anything consistently? Uh, I'm not as big an Al Horford fan as some people. I don't know, like if he's going to, he can make the difference. The, their Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown still seem a little, little, little ways away um, in terms of their development. So yeah, I think the Bucks and five, and if it's, further if it, if it goes on longer than that it could 
could raise some could raise some questions right. uh, about where uh, where they're at. Now, for the uh, at the time of this taping, we don't know who's uh, going to win the Spurs or Nuggets yet. That's tape. It's going in like an hour or two. Um, uh, who do you got winning Spurs Nuggets? First of all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, listeners, if you didn't um, know, Doctor Tom and I have a uh, we. I wouldn't call it a a bias, but there's something about when you're led by a center. Um, that uh, continues to drop the ball in big games, although he did come up huge in that game six loss. He, he, he did ball out. I just feel like... Wait, what was the... What was the... I, uh, game six, and then what was the last word there? I, I, oh, I couldn't that hear that. L- lost by 20 points. So. Yeah. Oh, see, that's, that's, it's, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I, I, I'm just saying, for our homeboy Brady, um, if... <laughs> <laughs> okay, depending on who were to win this series, I guess my question is, who would Portland rather face? Um, probably, probably the Spurs. Well, yeah, the, I'd say the Spurs, just because. I, I, and again, I've you know each of these things I've talked about. You know the the players I respect, but I and you know as you know, I have. I think you know Greg Popovich is the the the, the yes. coach of all coaches. He's the he's the greatest, and like I, that he could take a you know the the high school uh, varsity team and probably <laughs> get him into the playoffs. I just sort of have that faith in that man. And so, but with that said, I still I think that Dame could just get do to them maybe not the same way, but kind of give them the business the same way he did to. Uh, um, Mr. Westbrook, Mr. Next Question, uh, and so I, I think they probably see it in that way. I, I maybe you know I push back against that and say that's it. You're matching up against one of the greatest coaches and sort of practical right. masterminds uh, of of the of NBA history. So maybe you should be careful what you wish for. But I think portland they probably want the spurs that that would just be my right guess. i could dig that i mean i feel like either way dame dollar is showing that uh, he's ready to put the team on his back and my boy cj mccollum is playing a lot better um so I, I think in either case portland would feel pretty good about the matchup um and uh going tomorrow i guess uh i'm not sure when we're airing this place tomorrow for us right now uh game one yeah Warriors versus Rockets. The Rockets have already been, you know, sleeping in our beds, you know, hanging out in the Bay Area disrespectfully until we come home. And um, so now <laughs> that game one here, what are your predictions uh, for game one? Um, I I think that, you know, you hear a lot of the, the, the Clippers took them to six games. The Warriors are worn out. They're exhausted. I'm of the mind that this might end up. I don't know if the word is to say to help them, but that they're uh, when they're a little ragged, they have to be more focused, and when they're a little tired, they have to focus a little bit more. And I could, you know, I remember at the end of the regular season this year, they played that game in uh, San Antonio where they just kind of couldn't make a three. They lost the game. Then they played, it was a back-to-back. They had to travel to Minnesota. And everybody said, oh, this is, you watch, they're going to lose this game too. They're, they're tired. And it was like, it'd be understandable. And they came out and they played really well. I wouldn't be surprised if that's, that kind of thing happens if they're like, okay, we just had this test. We're a little drained, but because of that, 
were a little more focused. And so uh, that they would come out and play a really a solid, focused, complete uh complete game and get a win in game one. I, I was, I remember I was surprised last year when they went to uh, Houston in game one and picked up the win and it kind of, maybe it wasn't the same situation, but there's something that's kind of like that where I can see, okay, if they're feeling a little back against the wall, a little, little bit less energy that, that kind of snaps them into focus almost. So I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and say that that element is going to give the Warriors that hunger and that they'll pick up the, win the first game of the series. Right. I can dig that. And I think I feel much the same way. Although I do think it's fascinating now with the dynamic the Warriors have at Oracle where um, they come <laughs> out so sleepy early on and then try to hit a flurry of threes to save it at the end, which has been kind of consistent. It almost feels like, yeah the Warriors just have it on their bulletin board first to four wins and they don't really care when they get the four or how they get the four. They just know they're going to get the four. And so yeah, at this point, like I feel in my gut, they're probably going to win just because they're tired of the noise that happens when they lose. But at the same time, I don't think they're like, Oh my gosh, if we don't win game one, we're in trouble. I think they're like, yeah, we might lose game one and win the next four. Like who cares? So it's weird dealing with a team that has had so much success and conquered so much adversity it's really hard to judge them on the scale up. You would like say the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks where like you lose game one at home. It's like, Oh my God, they're frauds. Like with, with us, it's like, yeah, hey, we'll just go and win two on the road. So it's really hard to pick this team, except you always know when it counts, they're going to show up. And especially when, when their backs are against the wall, as you said, um, each time it feels like people are like, this team is trash. I can't believe in this number one seed. And they come out and just blow the doors off somebody, which is just hilarious to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's this isn't it's not this isn't based in anything, but there's this I, I, you know, I like to look back on kind of NBA history and kind of find certain parallels that help me think about things. And for some reason, I've been thinking a lot about the 2013 playoffs. And I was thinking about how in the second round, uh, that was when we played the Spurs and we pushed them to six games. And, you know, we had we could we were up big in game one and uh, everybody's favorite podcast host, Richard Jefferson, uh, choked it away. <laughs> um, but but um I remember, you know, the the game went to six and then they played the Memphis Grizzlies in the conference finals. And I remember thinking, oh, that was that was a very sort of peak grit and grind team. I thought, oh, man, they're going to the Memphis could get to the finals because the Spurs didn't look so great against the Warriors. And there are these holes and and then the Spurs swept them. And so it's it's that's the kind of I for some that's that's the way I see it. And that's kind of the, and that's what happens when you're a great, when you win multiple championships and you have a culture, you don't just have good teams. You have a kind of an environment that is good and resilient. And so uh, that's, that's what's kind of in the, all is has all is in the back of my mind. As I look at this series is stuff like that, where I'm like, okay, I've seen this before where you say, Oh, this, you know, this is their, they're depleted. They, you know they had a tough series against an inferior team whatever and then it's like then the next round it's like oh they they blew through them it was a it was total domination and so i think you're right and i think they've they've earned that right to say well if we drop you know i mean going back to those clippers series you know the yes the 30 (laughs) things you shouldn't have to say specifically but yes blowing a 31 point lead um 
is, uh, you know, is, is th- you shouldn't do that. But I think, you know, game five, you have a game where the shots don't fall. Some things go like that, that happens. And, but if you're, you know, you're a team that's won championships and won God knows how many games you've earned the right to say, we'll, we'll, this is just one of those nights. We'll get him next time. Kevin Durant had a quote that I can't remember exactly what it was that basically said that about that game five. He's like, it just, that happens. And we get him the next night. And they did. Yeah. The Warriors are known to get guys on the next night for some reason. I guess that's how you win, you know, three out of four championships. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that, yeah. That, that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that about sums it up for us on this trip. Um, hopefully the next time we talk, uh, the Warriors are in better health and have at least a game one victory in hand. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been Dr. Tom and the gold Buddy King, Daniel Hardy, Tommy B. Uh, any uh, closing words for the hopeful members of Dub Nation? Just sit back and enjoy, enjoy the ride and enjoy watching these, these great and talented players play some great basketball because that's what I'm expecting to watch. And stop calling for Katie to leave on Twitter, you ungrateful heathens. Are you kidding me? Gosh. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right, Tom. I will catch you on the flip side. This has been for Golden State of Mind. Your two, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Biggest Houston rocket detractors on the planet, Tom and Dan. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great one.